A few days ago, I was reading Psalm 145, and verses 11 and 12 just kind of burned through me. And we talk of thy power, of God's power, to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts. I thought about this a good while. That's what we should do. We should speak of the works of God. I know sometimes we're going to speak of other things. But by and large, it should be the works of God that excite us. We should have it in us so strongly that we just kind of explode with the works of God. There are so many things that God does, one of which is we know from Genesis chapter 9 that God created the rainbow. So when I look into the sky and see a rainbow, the thing I think of is God because that was a covenant that God put in the sky promising man and beast that he would never destroy the earth again by a flood as he did in Genesis chapter 6 through 8. We should think of God. When I look at the mountains, we live by the Rocky Mountains. I think of that scripture in Revelation that when Jesus opened the sixth seal, earthquakes and all kinds of things happened. And one of the things that happened is the mountains were moved and every island was moved. And I often look at them and just say, I see you're still here in place. It's just a part of me. Those scriptures are a part of me. And one thing that I have begun praying recently over myself is that God not allow me to be deluded by human beings. It's so easy for our flesh to want to think well of someone when really it deceives ourselves. We need to go by the evidence, unless God has given us a heart of faith toward the person. We need to go by pure evidence and not be deceived. One of our neighbors is a tennis coach. She came to our house and used to bring her mother, and we'd watch movies. Her mother died. Now she basically lives alone, I think. But Pam had had some dreams warning her about this neighbor in the terms of lesbian dreams. And I realized that from the time I met this neighbor, she was wanting to find out if I would support lesbians. She first brought up up the subject of the college, first college I went to, which was ACC, Abilene Christian College, and she had gone also to ACC simply because she lived in Abilene. She attends a Catholic church. And she told me at that time, 2019, after I moved to Colorado, she said that ACC, C now accepts homosexuals and lesbians. Well, I just couldn't believe it. I was shocked. I just said to her, I can't believe they do that. 
And that's all I said. She was actually trying to find out if I supported homosexuals and lesbians. I know that now, but at first I didn't know that. One time I was around her, she was telling me that the Air Force Academy no longer has the word gender on their applications. And I said, really? That's strange. And I know she was trying to find out my thinking about homosexuals and lesbians. Well, it finally came out the next time she visited at our house. I was in my bedroom working, and she knocked on the door and said she wanted to say hello. And I said, well, come in. And we began talking, and I had at that time started wearing some tennis wristbands. And I said to her, do you know what these are? And she said, tennis wristbands? And I said, yes, I wear them to support my broken wrists to help me sometimes. And they had bright colors on them, bright bands of colors, about four or five colors. And I thought they were so colorful. And I liked them very much until she said, does this mean you support gays and lesbians? And I said, I don't think so. I was so shocked. How could my tennis wristbands mean that I support gays and lesbians? How could it have ever even indicated that? I've never had those wristbands on since that time, and I had planned to do away with them. I just haven't done it yet because I don't want anyone to think that. And somehow she thought that when she saw those wristbands. I went back to Amazon to see if in any way it represented lesbians, homosexuals and lesbians, and it didn't. And then I remembered that there was something called a Rainbow Coalition, which Jesse Jackson started years ago. I don't even know if he's living, and I don't know if it exists today, but it had to do with black people some way. And then I remembered that on television, I had seen, briefly seen on television news, some type of protest or parade that homosexuals and lesbians were doing. And I remembered seeing bands of color on flags. And I thought, I'll bet that has to do with their flag, those bands of color. And sure enough, that's what it was. Well, of course, I'm not going to wear something that even brings up the subject homosexual and lesbian. Uh, Because of Romans chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, which we'll read at this time, starting at verse 26 of Romans chapter 1, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. By the Bible, we see what God has to say about the subject. Well, after that neighbor left that day when she asked me, does this mean you support 
gays and lesbians? And I said, I don't think so. I was just so stunned. I really didn't think of giving her this scripture. But a couple of days later, I did have it called to my attention. I wrote this scripture out for her, and I wrote several other scriptures showing what the Bible says about sodomites, homosexuals, lesbians. I wrote those scriptures out and mailed them to her by U.S. mail. I didn't see her again after that or hear from her again after that. Several months passed, and her dogs got out one day, and Pam helped her catch them or one of her dogs got out, and Pam helped get the dog back. At that time, she said to Pam to tell me hello, and then she said, and tell her I really enjoyed the story about her car, her old car, which I had given away because God showed me to give it to this person. And I had somehow shared that story by, I suppose, text message with this neighbor. So she said, tell Joan I said hello and how much I enjoyed the story of her car. I'd been praying for God to not let me be deceived by people, not let me be swept away by wanting to think they're okay or wanting to think they're going to be okay or by their friendliness or anything. Because these are very sobering times. These are times we should remain sober and not be carried away by vain things. After she told Pam to tell me hello and how much she had enjoyed the story of my old car, I was glad, but then I, was, I noticed I was different. I really wasn't caught up and swept away by her words. And then God reminded me, she didn't say anything about enjoying reading those scriptures about homosexual lesbian. That really was like a glass of cold water poured on me or thrown on me because it awoke me. And so many people are this way. I have known so many church-going people who love to praise a human, but they don't like it when you speak of what God thinks about the situation. I've known that so many times and known so many examples of that. And I think what this is what this was. Pay attention to what they say and what they don't say. Judge by the evidence of what they say and by the Holy Spirit who brings it to your attention. For he is the spirit of truth. Be wise as serpents but harmless as doves. But we should not be deceived by them, nor should we deceive ourselves concerning people by thinking better of them than is actually true. So we just have to be careful. We don't want to live in anything false. It is very important for us to examine the situation by what was said and what was done and really absorb the truth from God in the matter at hand. If we ask ourselves these simple questions, it can help a great deal. When we talk to other people, 
Are we talking about what God has done in our lives or what we have done? And when they talk to us, are they talking specifically about what God has done for them or what they have done? Are we showing the works of God when we speak to other people? Are they showing the works of God to us by their words? I thought of several examples on this. For example, I saw the British Open Golf Tournament in July, at least part of it. Now, when I speak that to you, am I speaking about what God has done or what man has done? Well, it's very simple. Those are works of men. God can be used in it, but those are works of men. Another example. As I looked at my 25-year-old car in the year 2020, I was thinking about having new upholstery put on the front seat, and I had the following thought brought to my mind. Or you could just buy a new car. And I thought, well, that's right, I could buy a new car. I had just sold a house in Texas, my house in Texas. The money was sitting in the bank. There was more than enough cash to buy a new car. And by knowing that that was the Holy Spirit speaking, I also had the assurance to go forward. At 83 years old, I could go forward, buy a new car, and not have a fear of maybe needing that money later because God is not going to lead us to go forward in something if we're going to need it later. So I had an assurance of faith that it was all right to spend that money, portion of it, for this car. I also had a dream that same night about the car. Now, when I share that with you, are we talking about what God has done? Well, yes, of course we are. Are we showing the work of God? Yes, we are showing basically that God is saying it is better for you to buy a new car than to reupholster the seat of your 25-year-old car. Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, God's yoke is easy and his burden is light. And as I have already told you, I have the cash in the bank more than enough to buy the car. I just haven't thought of buying a car. And John sixteen thirteen says, The Holy Spirit guides you. That was definitely the Holy Spirit saying to me, Or you could just buy a new car. And that's exactly how I heard it in that tone of voice. It was an option, but it was a better way to go, and I knew it was. We need that type of evidence when we do things. Also, we need that type of evidence from other people. There's another example that I will share with you. A pastor wanted to build a new church building, and I asked him this, what did God say to you about this? Did God show you to build a new building? He could not answer that question. In thinking back on my encounters with this pastor, I received several emails from him, and I sent him several emails in response to his questions. 
But never once did he nor his wife, who also sent me emails, not once, did either of them tell me anything about God. Not once. He just kept saying he wanted me to come and bless his church building. The new church building, which they haven't built yet, but we're getting ready to build. And I told him, if this work is of God, you don't need a human to come bless it. God will bless it if he's told you to do this. And I cited Deuteronomy 28 concerning the blessings of God when we hear from God and follow him. But this pastor asked me at least two times to come and bless his church building. Well, I can't bless a church building when I don't even know if it's from God. And what good would it do for me to do that anyway? If it's of God, God will bless it. And then even after I told him this, the pastor's wife sent me an email saying they really wanted me to come and see their work that they were planning. But there's no evidence at all that God told them to do this. I warned them by emails, strongly warned them. You've got to have evidence, some kind of evidence. Here's another example. At one point, at the age of 83, I began having trouble finding food to eat. It was like nothing was agreeing with me. And I started praying, please help me, concerning food. And after I prayed, I began having thoughts concerning buying an outdoor grill. I didn't immediately go out and buy one, but those thoughts kept coming to me about an outdoor grill, and there kept being a desire to buy an outdoor grill. I certainly had enough cash to do that. And finally, I bought an outdoor grill. Are we talking about what God has shown me and what God has done, or was this just my own idea? Well, James 1.5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Well, I was certainly asking God what to do about the problem I was having with food, and I, I don't think I would have thought of an outdoor grill in connection with the problem. But that was the answer, I believe, that I was given from God. Another example. In 2012, I had a dream where a woman was singing to a group of people, and I was listening to her, and I said, it's a nice little voice. It's a little voice, but it's a nice little voice. And at that moment, it was like my understanding was open concerning the subject of a blog and how a blog would give you opportunity to communicate with the church. Now, examining the evidence is very important in deciding if this idea is from God. God's yoke is easy. His burden is light. Considering a blog, when we looked into it, it didn't cost anything to publish. A blog goes all over the world immediately. And there's no censoring of the writing. No one checked the writing to be to change it and make me change it, which I wouldn't have done. I would not have done that. I was on radio in 1980 from coast to coast, 
And in the latter years, they did try to get me to change the radio broadcasts. But God had given me messages that I knew were from him. A radio station manager in uh, Seattle said to me, Joan, you have so many good messages. Just speak those messages. But if you keep speaking these judgment messages, I don't know what we're going to do with you. We may have to put you off the air. And at that time, I immediately heard from God and spoke to George. And I said, George, if I don't speak the message that I believe to be from God, then I don't have a message and I may as well be off the air. You see, messages are very timely when they're from God. Very often you need that message at that exact time. I don't have the right to change the message to another message, even if the other message is a good message. I have to speak the message that at that time I believe to be from God. I believed at this exact time it is important to warn the church about delusions and being careful not to deceive yourself by what you want to think. We're in the end times and so many tricky things are going on. The Apostle Paul warned us in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that evil men and seducers would wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, and that things would get worse as the time expired. So we can expect lots of deception. Another thing at the end times that we can expect is violence. Because Jesus says, as in the days of Noah, so would it be at the end. And there was so much violence at the day of Noah. We read that in Genesis chapter 6. And amazingly, just a few days ago, CNN had a story which had a caption that there's so much violence all over the world. And I believe that's true. I believe we draw nearer to the return of Jesus. And there will be violence. There will be fierceness. Men will be fierce. They will be hostile. Paul said it would be a perilous time. Doesn't seem like a perilous time in the United States at least. But just seems so strange to me. When you turn on a television program and you see commercials and how the people act in the commercials, which reflects society because ad agencies are going to show that which is appealing to get you to buy their product. Well, it's a very blatant time. Men and women both are extremely blatant. I think that shows something of where we are. I told that pastor who wanted to build a church building, I said, consider the season. The main message right now for the church is Jesus is on the threshold. We draw near to his coming. How should you be living at this point in time? That's the main message. It's preparing the church for the coming of Jesus. When Jesus comes, the whole world will be destroyed by God after we are removed. It'll all be destroyed. All these buildings will be destroyed. Matthew 24, the disciples came to Jesus and look at the temple. Look at the precious stones on the temple. 
And Jesus says, the time will come, there won't be one stone standing upon another. At the end of this world, God destroys this world by fire. We read that in Second Peter 3, verses 10 through 14. And we are told to be diligent that may we would be found by Jesus in peace, without spot and blameless. So we have to work toward that in the midst of all the protests and the problems. We turn to God with them and let God settle us so that we will be ready when Jesus returns, living in peace, keeping ourselves in peace in the midst of this world. And Paul told us in Romans 12 too, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind to the word of God. One terrible problem is living in debt. That's a way of the world. Coronavirus should have taught people who live in debt how dangerous it is to live that way. Do we learn from these things? Well, we have to consider the evidence of the season we're in. We have to consider the evidence of, has God told me to do this? We have to consider also, what are they saying to us? What is true? What is really true about them? We know by their words that which is true. A man who was an exterminator came to our house to try to deal with a problem with mice. I had seen a couple of mice in my bedroom, little mice, and he came to try to deal with it. Almost the first thing he told me when he came in the room is that he was a Christian. And then as he talked about dealing with the mice, he said, you can always pray that the mice will move to a house of one of your neighbors whom you hate. I was so shocked. This is a man who says he's a Christian. I said to him, I don't have any neighbor that I hate. See, out of his heart, he spoke this. And then he tried to say, oh, I was just kidding. He wasn't. This was in his heart. It came out of his mouth. And that's what happens to us. If we take in something into our heart, it will at some point bear fruit unless we turn to God with it and correct ourselves, which he had not done. So it bore fruit when he was talking to me. Do I have any evidence that this man is really a Christian? He later then told me that he has a friend who he said was a prophet, and he goes out in the summers to minister with this friend. And I said to him, how did God tell you to do this? Did, what did God do to show you to do this? He couldn't answer me. He had no answer for me. I have no evidence that this man's a Christian. I have no evidence that this thing he's doing, as he says, is ministry, is really ministry. I have evidence to the contrary concerning this man. Pay attention. Pay attention to the evidence. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21, Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. 
we must do this. But I do want to strongly recommend to each person who is of God, pray, asking God to help you to not be deceived by other people, to help you to not be deceived by works that they bring to you saying they are good works, to help you not to be deceived, not to be deluded. For in the last days, God will turn many people over to strong delusions because they do not love the truth. Because they do not show a love of the truth, God will turn them over to strong delusions so they can go on and believe a lie. We see that in churches everywhere today where the churches have turned from Scripture and the people love the lie rather than loving the truth of the Scripture. And they stay in those churches. That is the apostasy of the end time which was spoken of by Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting at verse 10, we read the following. Because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. For this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. This is exactly what's happening in the churches. It's, they love their church buildings. They love their stained glass. They love their preachers. But they do not show that deep love of the truth of the Word of God. And when the churches change the scriptures away from the Bible to another doctrine, they cling to their churches and stay with their churches rather than demanding of themselves that the scripture is above the church. I have had to leave many churches because they spoke things opposite to scripture. Just recently, Pam Padgett and I wrote a book on this subject. It's published through Amazon, and it is entitled Attending Church. And it tells how she was brought out of the Catholic Church, and it tells of my experience with Protestant churches. And she was also had experience where God removed her from a Protestant church because they were not holding to Scripture. But you don't just stay there. This is the end times. The apostasy is taking place. It is a falling away where churches fell away from Scripture and churches fall away from Scripture and teach other doctrines. That's the end-time apostasy in the churches. Paul tells about it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day of the Lord shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God 
sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. In 1982, I was reading this section of scripture, and God said to me, the falling away that Paul's talking about, those are not people leaving the church. The falling away are churches leaving the scripture. The end time falling away are churches leaving the scripture and setting up other doctrines. To keep from being deceived and deceiving ourselves, I think the most important thing that we can do is turn to God and pray that we not be deceived, that we not be deluded by human beings and things they do. And then when the Holy Spirit shows you something they're doing that is not right, you have to be willing to see it. And we cling to the truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. We have to cling to the truth. Otherwise, I think we're in danger. If we follow the Holy Spirit and what he shows us, we'll be all right. But we endure to the end by following what God shows us about the situation, not just what we want to believe. We have to have a love of the truth. That's very important. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.